The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? But do we have a podcast for you? Hello, everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire, Whiskey, and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Dead of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which I try to remember from week to week. Try being the operative word. Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. So, um, you were making a comment before we started recording, and I made you shut up because I wanted it to be recorded. So, what were you asking? I don't understand why it starts on August 1st when her birthday was on September 19th, and they're supposed to have the conversation on the 20th. So, why in the hell does this start on August 1st? And also, what the fuck is with this numbering system in this thing? It's like, it's... In the drop-down box, it's 1 to 154. So why does book 2 start on chapter 15? And what is 2 through 14 for, like, decoration? So remember that the entire series is all in one book, quote-unquote, in fiction.net. So chapters 1 through 154 is the entire series, all four books. So book 2... Book one is chapters one through 14. Book two is chapters 15 through 80. And it's 80 something Oh, that's a cute bandana. Oh, yeah. Max got groomed. Oh, now he's dragging his dick across the carpet. Thanks, bye. His bandana is cute, though. Yeah, it's turquoise and white and chevrons. So... We're recording via Skype, but we're actually recording on our own computer, so sometimes it's a little laggy between us, but you guys won't be able to hear that because we're not recording it over the internet because Hannah Beth yelled at us and said that our audio was crap. So hopefully our audio will sound better for you guys now. And sometimes Claire freezes. (laughs) And that's fine. You're following along with me anyway. If I get frozen, when it unfreezes, you'll catch up. So. Yes. Recap. What happened? Hey, I actually remember because we did it last night. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Suck it, people. I it's know only been about 14 things. hours. Yeah. So it was Hermione's birthday and she got presents. And one of the presents was Harry's mom something or other, I'm guessing. Bracelet. It, yeah, because it said Lily in it. And then... Remus was all like, well, your gift's over there, but I don't want to see you open it. And then he's being all weird about it. So she opened it and it like glowed or something. And then she was like, this is too expensive because it was made by a goblin. It's like, shut up. Anyways, so then there was like a little moment between her and Sirius where it was getting kind of steamy. But then he left her with blue ovaries because he was like, peace. And then, (laughs) uh, let's see, she was all like, 
self-conscious about Harry being upstairs during this moment. I'm like, what the crap does Harry care? But anyways, so then, like, when she opened Remus's gift, apparently that is, like, of really big significance. And then I figured out, wait, maybe it's a time-turner. And then I said something that made absolutely no sense, but it made sense in my head. So, there you go. So, minor corrections. The bracelet that Sirius gave her is goblin-made, It belonged to Lily, and on it, it has the words of House Potter, which is by courage and craft. And Harry said that she she didn't want it. Harry said she should have it because she's basically his sister, and she's like family. So she accepted it. And then Remus's gift was wrapped in a gold chain because she thought it was a ribbon, but it's actually a chain. And then she touched it. There was a blue flash. You figured out it was a time turner, mainly because the title of Book two is the time turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You keep nodding your head. You forget that people can't see you. I know they can't see me. They don't need to see this. I look like I'm homeless. Uh, you know, same. But, Which technically um, I kind of am because I still live with my parents. So technically I am homeless. <laughs> well, I mean, you have a home. It just doesn't belong to you. That's what I mean. So I'm homeless. You get to sleep in a bed every night. I don't think that counts as homeless. Uh, true. But, anywho. So, the end of chapter one ended with, The chain suddenly glowed bright blue, and she felt a familiar tugging behind her navel that screamed portkey to her experienced body. But there was also another familiar sensation, something she had not felt in years. The feeling of flying backward very, very fast. Dun-dun-dun! So, chapter 16, Chocolate Frogs. Now, Kat did point out that the next date is August 1st. What year was Hermione's birthday in? I want to say it was like 1980-something, but I was 1998. Okay, and this is 1971. This is 1971. She was born in 1980, 1979. So, this is eight years before she's born. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is worse than the season finale of This Is Us, where they, like, jumped four years earlier. <laughs> yeah, this is a... Later. 27-year jump? Jesus. Backwards. August 1st, 1971. Despite the horror stories of getting splinched, including actually experiencing it herself while on the run the past year, Hermione still preferred to travel by apparition over flu or portkey. While Harry and Ron each preferred the simplicity of using the flu, Sirius agreed with her on her favorite method of getting from place to place, though he insisted that her reason for enjoying apparition was simply because she had been the first in her class to get her license, and continuing to use the skill she had so quickly picked up was a silent way of patting herself on the back without drawing attention or or publicly inflating her ego. She never argued with him over it. Wait, you have to have a license to have flu powder? Yeah. No, 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 not flu powder, apparition. Oh. Yeah, so they didn't show that in the books, in the movies. In the books, during their sixth year, they all learned how to apparate. Oh. And then they had, so you have to prove that you can do it and you have to get your license. Ron, I think, left behind half an eyebrow at one point. Yeah. 
great. Hermione's least favorite method of travel was portkey. It was a rough process that was never as instantaneous as apparating, and she had rarely ever been give, uh, been able to land squarely on her feet when she had arrived at a destination. Still, sometimes a portkey was the fastest and most efficient way to travel, especially over long distances. Immediately after the war, she had obtained an international port key, allowing her to travel to Australia to see her mum and dad. She told passing acquaintances that her parents now lived in Melbourne, eager to start an early retirement. She told closer friends that she had altered their memories for their own good. But those who knew her best had been told the truth. There was no coming back from the in-depth way Hermione had obliviated her parents. It was for their own safety, she knew, but they were lost to her forever. Still, she had requested a port key and, for eight hours, spent a day in Australia tailing Wendell and Monica Wilkins, the name she gave her parents, just to make sure they were happy. When she went home, she had immediately collapsed and nearly vomited from the mixture of stress and uncomfortable sensations associated with port key travel. This time, she actually did. After spinning and speeding backwards for what felt like at least 20 minutes, Hermione slammed, feet first, into the ground. Her knees buckled on impact and she hit a cold floor, relishing the feel of the cool stone against her cheek. She felt briefly relieved before her stomach lurched and she violently retched up the birthday cake that Mrs. Weasley had spent all day making for her. It took several minutes for Hermione to regain her balance, but the moment she did, she realized the gold chain was still clenched around her right hand while the crimson box holding the end of the chain was in her opposite palm. She dropped them both immediately and reached for her wand, only to find it missing. Fuck, Hermione whimpered, the expletive on her lips showing the stress of her situation, as it was something she rarely did. Someone had planted a port key in her birthday present. She had essentially been kidnapped and, if she remembered correctly, her wand was sitting on the bookshelf just inside her bedroom. She had not carried it with her during the birthday party since she saw no reason to, especially since the war had ended. With no way of testing the object magically, Hermione slowly reached for it, assessing it by touch. When nothing happened, she let out a sigh of relief and pulled on it, slowly bringing the other end out of the box. Her eyes widened as she lifted the pendant that hung suspended on the gold chain. It could not be mistaken for anything but a time-turner. She paled at the sight of the instrument. Okay, this is not good, so not good. She felt her anxiety build as she scanned the room around her. Not Grimmauld Place, that much was certain, but she still knew it well. Hogwarts, specifically, what looked to be the empty and undecorated classroom where she had spent years learning defense against the dark arts. It was that tiny factor that triggered something in her. Remus. She reached for the crimson box the time-turner had been placed in and ripped the lid off completely. Inside lay a typical birthday tag that read, Happy Birthday. Always Remus. But it was not the tag that drew her attention. It was the neatly folded square of parchment beneath it, nestled at the bottom of the small box. Hand-shaking, she retrieved the square and slowly opened it. Her worst fears were confirmed. This was not some underhanded plot by an enemy. This was not a prank by the Weasley twins. This was not a burst of accidental magic. It was Remus. He had done it. On purpose. Well then. <laughs> you ready for this? Yes. Alright. This is the letter. Dearest, Obviously. Dearest Hermione. First of all, you are safe. I plead for your forgiveness for what I've done. But in all honesty, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. 
either betray you, my dear friend, by tricking you into accepting this gift, or betray someone I loved a long time ago who made me promise to betray you. Please know that I've spent years conflicted over the choice. When I was much younger, I was given knowledge that I've protected for many years. Knowledge, instructions, and a mission. That mission has now been fulfilled, and you hold in your hand the fruit of my labors. You might recognize the time-turner in your hand from when you entered the Department of Mysteries to rescue Sirius. Once I saw it and recognized it for what it was, I knew it was almost time. You needed to go back. If I've charmed it properly, the instrument in your hands is not only a time-turner but also a port key. Very clever, those unspeakables. Hopefully, you've been taken to Hogwarts, specifically the Defense Against the Dark Arts classroom, if I've done my calculations correctly. It should be the 1st of August, 1971. Again, I beg your forgiveness and hope that in time you'll understand and forgive me. I'm only following the instructions of someone who understood time better than I ever did. She told me that time was a loop. Every action we take is a causation of destiny. Time travel won't change anything. You remember in your third year when you went back in time to save Sirius? You mentioned that the only reason Harry was able to conjure his Patronus is because he'd already seen it conjured. This is how time works, which unfortunately means that nothing you do will change what is meant to be. It breaks my heart to know this, to know that you will be your brave, self-sacrificing Gryffindor self and ride headlong into the fray in an attempt to stop a war that cannot be stopped, to save lives that cannot be saved, and to redeem those who are, at that moment in time, irredeemable. But you will try anyway, because that is your heart, Hermione. It's why you are so loved. But please, I beg you, do not blame yourself over the future. What is meant to happen will happen regardless of how it comes to be. Live your life, enjoy your life, and hopefully, very soon, you will come across a very lonely boy who is terrified to go to Hogwarts and is desperate for some understanding friends. Your ever-devoted and obedient friend, Remus. P.S. Say hello to Dumbledore for me. He and I have always shared an interest in, quote-unquote, chocolate frogs. Thoughts? She's making a really frustrated face, guys. She kind of looks a little well, constipated. I'm not, I'm not frustrated. Like, that, like, that one sentence kind of just, like, hit me a little bit. So it's like, dude, why you gotta do that? The live your life, enjoy your life part? Yeah, the what's meant to happen will happen regardless how it comes to... Oh, God. Okay, I'm gonna start crying. Continue. <laughs> I... Shia, that's another one. <sighs> no, Hermione shouted as the feeling of betrayal washed over her. How could he have done this to her? She was just starting to live again, to feel as normal as she possibly could considering she had essentially lost her parents, went to war, been tortured, and killed a man all within a year. That was not even including whatever it was she had done regarding the bond that now existed between her and Sirius. Sirius! He had kissed her and promised her that they would talk tomorrow. They would be open and honest and deal with the awkward adult conversations, as he had so eloquently put it just minutes earlier. She wanted that conversation. She wanted answers to the questions that had been bothering her all year when it came to the consequences of the blood magic she had used to bring him back to life. Remus had taken that from her, not only to give her a new set of problems, or only to give her a new set of problems and even more questions without answers. She read his letter again, unable to push down on the anger that was rising in her chest every time she looked over the words pleading for her forgiveness. 
He had stolen a time-turner, held on to it for over a year, and had followed through with some elaborate plan to send her away, all because someone from his past told him to? Slipping the time-turner securely around her neck, she moved to leave the empty classroom. She needed answers. If this was not some horrible joke that her werewolf friend had played on her, and she really was in 1971, then there was only one place where she could get the help she needed. Chocolate frogs, Hermione said to the gargoyle, guarding the staircase that led to the headmaster's office. It had been just over four months since she had last seen it. They had won the war, and Harry had returned to the office to speak with Dumbledore's portrait, making plans to securely hide the Elder Wand. The castle had been nearly destroyed, though now it was nothing if not immaculate, or as immaculate as a centuries-old castle could be. The gargoyle moved, and Hermione made her way up the stairs through the open door. She was shocked to see how similar Dumbledore's office appeared in, uh, to the one year's... In la, 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 la. I made it really far. The gargoyle moved and Hermione made her way up the stairs and through the open door. She was shocked to see how similar Dumbledore's office appeared uh, to the one years in the future. The desk was littered with the same small jumping trinkets and baubles besides the large sweet dish that sat to the left of the desk. On the right stood a large golden perch where the most beautiful red and gold bird sat, chirping a sweet song. Hello, fox, Hermione said softly, with great affection. Good evening, a voice came from the nearby shadowed window, and Hermione let out a loud gasp. Lovely sunset. Hermione stared, wide-eyed, at the living figure of a slightly younger, and certainly not dead, Albus Dumbledore. The old wizard's eyes shone a bright, unnatural blue that sparkled with delight, mischief, and curiosity. I've always compared summer sunsets to the colors of a phoenix tail. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, sir, she answered without hesitation. You seem to be familiar with the creature, or at least one of them. You called Fox by his name. I can only presume that the two of you are acquainted. Yes, sir. Loyal creatures, mine especially, though I don't intend to boast. Hermione smiled softly, knowing Fox's loyalty from Harry's stories of their second year when the beautiful bird came to his aid, blinding a basilisk and ultimately saving his life. He seems to trust you. I would like to think that I may put a great deal of trust in his judgment of character. I hope that means you'll trust me then, sir, she said quietly, her nerves aflutter. I hope so too, Miss Granger, Hermione Granger. A pleasure to meet you, Miss Granger. His eyes twinkled when he smiled at her. Now I have a question for you. The security wards around Hogwarts, put up by my own wand, Hermione's wide-eyed gaze fell upon the Elder Wand on the desk, are pieces of very sensitive magic. They have the magnificent ability to prevent apparition, you see. That being the case, they also alert me when breached, and I was alerted within the hour that a breach took place in the form of apparition, something which should not be possible. It was an apparition, sir. It was a port key, she corrected with a frown, her stomach churning a bit at the reminder. Well, sort of. Sir, I need your help. I will be happy to advise you as best I can. I trust you'll be forthcoming in helping me as well. I might have a few questions for you. She hesitated to speak again, remembering the rules that had been drilled into her by Professor McGonagall during her third year when she had been given a time-turner to use for her classes. 
Thus far, she had already broken the most important one. Do not let yourself be seen. But, without any answers on how to get back and why she'd arrived here, not to mention how to get back, Hermione handed over the piece of parchment with Remus's words on it. Dumbledore took his time looking over the letter, his impassive face showing no concern or fear like she was feeling. Hermione was about 40% certain she would somehow get in trouble for whatever it was that Remus had done to her. Eventually, Dumbledore adjusted his glasses and looked up from the parchment. What year do you come from, my dear? The simple question caused Hermione's eyebrows to rise into her hairline. You believe me? He chuckled. While I don't consider myself overly attentive to the latest muggle fashions, I can't imagine your clothing is of this era. Hermione glanced down at her attire, which she did not find to be so very strange, but she recalled seeing photos of her parents from the 70s, and she could not help but let out a nervous laugh. Yes, she must look terribly strange. 1998, sir. Quite a trip. I didn't do it. No, Dumbledore agreed. This Remus Lupin seems to have sent you here. He said the name with a smile on his lips, and Hermione wondered if the headmaster had already met the younger version of her friend, or whatever one would call someone who intentionally tricked a person into time traveling. As if Dumbledore knew what she was thinking, he stated questioningly, a friend of yours, by the sound of this letter. She hesitated. Yes, sir, at least... Do you feel that he lies? That he has sent you back in time with some malicious intent? No, she said quickly, no hesitation in her voice. I trust him with my life. She remembered the final battle of Hogwarts in the Forbidden Forest. She had trusted Remus with her life, and he had trusted her with his. She had nearly sacrificed herself for Remus and Sirius at the hands of Voldemort. She could not help but feel a deep pain over what felt like a great betrayal. At least I did, until an hour ago. The headmaster chuckled. Or a few decades from now, as the situation appears to be both. I need to go back. Mr. Lupin's letter says otherwise. Sir, I've experimented with time travel before, she said, her voice gaining an edge. In my third year, I was provided a time-turner in order to have access to multiple classes without overloading my schedule. Forgive me, my dear, but that sounds like the very definition of overloading one's schedule. Did it work out well for you? It was fine, she lied as she remembered how frazzled she had been by the end of the year, snapping at professors and friends, the lack of sleep having practically aged her a few extra years. But I've studied time turners since then. I know all the laws and rules of time travel. Me being here could be catastrophic. I could change things just by talking to you. According to your friend, you being here seems to have already occurred. She raised a brow. Sir? I've had a similar thought about time. When using magic to alter the past, we are, in fact, altering anything or merely insulting, inserting ourselves as a catalyst that causes the future to happen as it already has. I'm, that is, I mean to say, it did make sense. Remus had brought up the night of Sirius's escape and how Harry was able to summon his Patronus under the knowledge that it had already happened. Full circle. But that was, uh, that was not the only reason she needed to go home. Sir, I don't belong here. Unfortunate as that may be, I regret to inform you, Miss Granger, that I know of no way to send you home. His words caused her heart to sink. No. If Albus Dumbledore couldn't help her, who possibly could? 
and even if I were able, available to do so, I would hesitate to take action. You say you've studied time travel in depth. Have you, by any chance, read about Eloise Mintumble? Hermione had read about the famous time-traveling witch. Eloise had been an unspeakable in the Department of Mysteries, researching in what Hermione now knew to be the time room. During her experiments, she had sent herself back in time five centuries, and upon her miraculous return, which was still a mystery to the rest of the wizarding world, as time-turners were only known to go backwards, not forwards, she aged the five centuries she had traveled through and died. Her eyes widened. Oh my god, you're saying that if you were to send me back to my own time, I would instantly age 30 years? That is a very large possibility. She thought about it for a long moment. Would it be worth the risk? Would she even survive it? Did that matter? Her being there and speaking to Dumbledore alone could cause a rip in time and change everything. The butterfly effect. She had fought so hard and sacrificed so much over the last year in order to help win the war. What if she did something here and now that ruined it all? No, she had to be willing to sacrifice she had been willing to sacrifice her life for the cause four months ago in battle. This was no different. I don't care. I'd rather forfeit my life than to risk ruining the future by any actions I take. Dumbledore smiled at her words as if taking a survey of her character. Thinking back to Eloise Mintumble, he said, ultimately ignoring her decision, I assume you read what happened as a result of her time alterations. Her meddling with the past is the reason the Ministry of Magic enacted so many laws regarding time travel. She single-handedly erased over 25 people from history, Hermione said, repeating the words as though she were reading them directly from a book. Are you familiar with children's stories, Miss Granger? Hermione scoffed at the memory of the book the man in front of her had bequeathed to her in his will. Beetle the Bard? One of my favorites, Dumbledore beamed excitedly. Yes, the bard took stories from actual events and wrote them in a way to tell a story, to entertain the masses, and to teach a lesson. What is your favorite tale, Miss Granger? The Three Brothers, she said, biting back the sarcasm that she felt was due in her answer. Why is that sarcastic? Something about the Elder Wand or something. I don't know. Yeah, the Three Brothers built a bridge over a river that usually used to kill people, so Death decided to give each of them a gift. The first one asked for a wand that would kill anyone and got the Elder Wand, or asked for the most powerful wand in the world. The second brother asked for the Resurrection Stone, and the third brother asked for Death's Cloak of Invisibility. And, of course, the guy with the most powerful wand in the world was then killed in his sleep so somebody else could get the wand. So the Death Stick, as it is called, had a long line of people killing for it. Uh, the brother who wanted the resurrection stone got his fiance back, but only as like a ghost. And he was so miserable that he killed himself. And so death took the second brother. And, and it's just sort of, it's like Aesop's fables. They're not real stories. They just teach a lesson. Well, except the three brothers actually turned out to be real. But um, I am a fan as well. Dumbledore's eyes twinkled. And as Hermione struggled not to turn her gaze to the elder one on his desk, and do you believe that Death, who handed over the Elder Wand, the Cloak of Invisibility, and the Resurrection Stone, was an actual being? No, sir. Even if the brothers and their objects truly existed, which I highly doubt, she asserted with a silent chuckle, Death is not a person. So, the tale has been passed down as instruction, then. What lesson, perhaps, would children learn from such a tale? Not to treat Death lightly, Hermione answered. 
The brother who took the Elder Wand thought he could thrust death upon others by force, but in the end there is always someone stronger than you. The brother who took the Resurrection Stone thought he could steal from death, but you cannot control who lives and who dies. The final brother thought to evade death by hiding, but death comes for us all in the end. What lesson do you think children and adults alike would learn from Eloise Mintumble's story? Hermione stared at the man as she pieced his words together. Then her eyes narrowed and her temper flared. Are you saying she didn't destroy 25 people, that the Ministry of Magic made it all up in order to avoid having people foolishly use magic to alter time? Dumbledore grinned. That would be a very cunning story to create. Yeah, the author was probably in Slytherin, she muttered bitterly. Do you have the time turner, Miss Granger? Yes, sir. She reached beneath the collar of her shirt and removed the chain, lifting the instrument over her head and holding it out for the wizard to inspect. Marvelous, he said, with an airiness as though he were looking at a pretty flower or piece of artwork instead of the life-altering device that it was. I've only seen drawings of them myself, but not in great detail. I was, however, under the impression that for time travel to be possible, the sand must move through the hourglass. No, that's not how time-turners work. You spin them and then go back a few hours at most, and then you move until you catch up with your present timeline. The hourglass is merely a container for the sands of time. I'm not sure if moving them in one direction or another is what triggers the magic, she said clearly. However, as she focused on the instrument in his hands, she furrowed her brow in concentration. Dumbledore was right. The sand in the hourglass was sitting firmly on one side, despite being turned upside down in his hand. Is this the same time-turner you've used before? No, sir. This one is... It was... She recalled the night she and Remus had gone into the Department of Mysteries, when they had stepped into the reconstructed time room. She remembered how he appeared confused that she wanted to leave the room, surprised that it had not been her planned destination. Remus said that he took it from the Department of Mysteries. It's new. I've never seen anyone like it before. Seen one like it before. During your very busy third year, did you happen to take ancient runes? She actually rolled her eyes, as if not taking ancient runes was even an option. Of course, sir. Tell me, what does this mean? He tipped the time-turner to show her the engraving on the bottom. It took Hermione only a moment to decipher the rune. Predestination. Something tells me that your Mr. Lupin knew what he was doing when he took this time-turner and gave it to you. You seem to be an intelligent young lady who adheres to the rules quite well. Hermione almost laughed. That was an understatement. It took a life-or-death situation, plus Harry Potter, to get her to break rules. May I make a suggestion? Sir? Treat this letter as your new set of rules. He held the parchment out to her, and she hesitantly took it, glaring down at Remus's familiar script. I can't just exist in this time, sir. I'm... I know what's happening out there right now. I know a war is coming, she explained with a heavy heart. There are rumors, he gave a slight nod, refusing to give any more details to her than she was giving to him. Muggleborns are being attacked, she stated, watching his face as he seemed to acknowledge the statement and agree. Viciously. I'm a muggle-born, sir. I can't just fall from the sky into this time and attempt to live without drawing attention to myself. I'm frankly not thrilled about the idea of coming to a face-to-face with Death Eaters. Again. You good? Yes, I'm fine. Any feelings? I have a lot of feelings. I'm in a class case of emotion. Anchorman. 
Yeah, I've only seen it like once, so I don't know the lines that well. <sighs> She's too into the story, folks. There's no back and forth. Well, I have nothing to say. Like, when the dirty stuff comes, I'm going to be talking more than you. That's fair. Like, right now, I'm just, like, confused AF. I totally just missed everything you said, but it froze in a really funny picture of your face. I said, right now, I'm just confused AF. Oh, so, like, a normal day. Got it. Oh, shut up. <laughs> it's okay. Samesies. Um, I'm 18, sir. Uh-uh. You skipped it. Paragraph. He ah, smiled at her. tested you. Ah. He smiled at her. I have a suggestion. How would you like to return to Hogwarts? I'm 18, sir. Well, 19 now. Today is my birthday. Or was. It was the 19th of September when I left. She sighed in disappointment as she remembered it had been close to midnight, the day after her birthday. She and Sirius were supposed to talk. Hermione frowned. Damn you, Remus Lupin. Well, many happy returns to you, Miss Granger, Dumbledore said, with such a genuine voice that it made her smile sadly. Now, as I was saying, you've already crossed the boundaries of time. Why not push the line a little further? I have in my possession a very rare de-aging potion. It was a gift from a friend on my 100th birthday. I've only kept it for emergencies. Every few years, I see a student or two attempt to age themselves in order to sneak into Hogsmeade to purchase fire whiskey. The spell is rarely effective, and the hospital wing is often in a refuge for a couple of elderly third years. Normally, we can de-age them with charm work, but I've always been worried that a student might accidentally go a little too far. Sometimes, a potion does the trick. I suggest that you take this potion and become a student here at Hogwarts once again. I believe it is the safest place for a muggle-born, as you say. She remembered seeing the work of an aging potion, though Fred and George had not used it to purchase fire whiskey. They had the Marauder's Map for that. No, the twins had used an aging potion in order to try and wiggle their way across or into the Triwizard Tournament, a plan that backfired badly and left them in the hospital wing until they returned to their 16-year-old beardless selves. How young. She hated admitting defeat, but Remus had clearly left her no options in this awful situation. And, without knowing a way home, she needed to make a plan to secure her own safety. I would suggest eleven. You will return to school in one month to be sorted along with the new students. You would then not stand out or draw unwanted attention to yourself. It made sense. Bringing her in any older would draw attention. Hogwarts had not had a transfer student in over a century. She would be as easy to pick out in a crowd as Harry had been, and she knew how big of a target that had made him. Would I be able to stay inside the school year-round? I would stand out during holidays. I've no family here, sir. Then we should find you one. Perhaps a good pure-blood family. We could then further alleviate your worries about being recognized as a muggle-born. I can't say I'm familiar with any good pure-blood families, sir. Hermione snapped in reply. Luckily, I am. He beamed, his attention suddenly drawn to her hands. That is a beautiful bracelet, Miss Granger. I am familiar with the words. Are you acquainted with the Potter family? Hermione held back her snort. Jesus, it's like when Marty McFly saw his mom as a teenager and then she tried to jump his bones. Jesus. That was not that bad. 
Hermione held back her snort. You could say that. Hey, she snorts too. Ha ha. And do you trust them? She frowned as she thought of Harry. Harry who had saved her life. Harry who called her his sister. They Harry are... who put you in situations where you can die. <sighs> Semantics. This kid. They are... Family, Dumbledore offered. Yes, Hermione confirmed immediately. But not... I'm sorry, sir. She frowned as wayward tears began to escape from the corners of her eyes. Would she ever see her best friend again? Nothing to apologize for, my dear. He offered her a handkerchief, and she smiled gratefully as she took it. May I suggest a trip to the hospital wing? Perhaps a short rest will help. Thank you, sir. He reached his hand into a drawer after waving the elder wand to unlock it. Removing a small red file, Dumbledore smiled. Here's the potion we discussed. If you like, hand this, he said as he passed a potion over to her, and then pulled out a piece of parchment and a quill, scribbling a note and rolling it up quickly. And this letter to Madame Pomfrey. If you decide you agree with my suggestion, she will know the proper dosage. You and I shall meet again once I've conducted a little business on your behalf, and then we shall set a plan in motion that will keep you safe and protected until I am able to privately investigate the instrument you've brought with you. Thank you, sir, she sniffled again. <laughs> You're being incredibly calm about, all, about this, all things considered. I am a man of many interests. The future is one of them. I must ask, however, that you divulge no further information about your origins to anyone myself included. Nothing that could alter this timeline. But, sir, I thought you said that anything I do has already been done. You are responsible for your own actions, yes, he agreed, but not the actions of others. I can see you are fairly skilled at occlumency, as I've been attempting to break through some of the walls you've erected inside your mind during our conversation. I'm aware, sir, and she had been. From the moment she had arrived in the headmaster's office, she had felt the familiar nudges against the barriers in her mind that protected her memories. Occlumency had never been something that she was skilled at, but, since the war ended, Sirius had forced Hermione into a pseudo-friendship with Draco, who had been assisting her with the skill. Though she imagined it was more for his own amusement over the fact that he, could finally, that he had finally bested her at something. Forgive me, but I felt it was necessary to at least test your skills before offering my assistance at integrating you amongst my students. I understand, sir. I only bring that up because if you speak to the future of others who are not so skilled, they could easily divulge the information to parties that would use it to put you in grave danger, as well as others who might be privileged to your knowledge. I understand, sir. I won't speak a word. He stood and walked her to the door. Thank you, Miss Granger. Please get some rest. I will see you in a few hours. Boom, shakalaka. Okay. I don't even understand why he sent her back there, but the only thing that I can relate it to is when he wanted Harry to go back into uh, what's-his-face's memories with Voldemort in that one movie. Oh, yeah, um... Sixth movie when he goes back to see, like, Tom Riddle at the orphanage yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, Remus has sent her back to August 1st, 1971. And said that if she ever see... That soon she will see a sad, lonely boy in need of friends. 
which is probably referring to... Harry's dad? Well, the sad, lonely boy is probably going to be Remus because he's a werewolf and probably hasn't had any friends because of it. Yeah, my second guess was Snape since he got bullied so much. Yeah. Now, do you remember what the dynamic was between Snape and Harry's dad? Yeah, Harry's dad was a total ass to him. Yeah. Um, now, the other thing to keep in mind is that Dumbledore said that he was going to integrate her into a pureblood family and then noticed that she was wearing the words of House Potter. Okay. At some point, that'll click in my mind. It will. I'm really okay. sad it's not clicking yet, but... It'll click soon. And for those of you currently screaming at the radio, it's fine. She'll figure it out next chapter. Well, and y'all can suck it because I have two friends that have been reading this and they don't get it either. So bite me. <laughs> da, 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 da. Well, um, that's chapter two. We are on Yay. our way. Yes. I feel like this was a really quick episode just because, I mean, there's not a lot to really discuss in this one because you're just like, what? 1971? What? Yeah. Okay. Trivia question. What is the first day of Hogwarts? It is the same every year. First of September. Okay. How am I supposed to know First day. What day is it? First day of September. There we go. I knew Do you, you remember it. the 21st day of September? Oh, classic. But, um, God, I love that song. Anyway, yeah. So, Hermione's back in time. And the 1st of September is when everybody goes to Hogwarts. So, it's a month before that. So, she's about to get sent off to live with some pureblood family and the assumption is that she's going to be 11 years old and go and start hogwarts Woo! cool beans cool beans so what do we do now uh <laughs> <laughs> now we finish up the episode by thanking all of our fox level patreons so we want to give a big old shout out to Ashley Enstrom, Amanda Zercher, Sophie Segator, Miranda Eskew, Martina, Julian Foles, Elise Wolfson, Claire Luciano, Brittany Lopez, Ashley Thurman, Ryder, Krista, and Carissa. Thanks, guys. Gracias. And once again, we are going to request money because we po. Help me, I'm poor. <laughs> but, but for realsies, though, we're, you know, trying to build sound booths. We're trying to get better audio quality for you guys. And eventually, we would like to be able to pay our editor, which would be nice. Because <laughs> Annabeth has literally edited 10, 12 episodes now without any pay. So, and that's, people charge anywhere from $10 an episode if you do it, like, Uber style and order it online. Or if you actually have somebody who owns a studio do it, it can cost between fifty and a hundred dollars an episode. So she is doing she has saved us an incredible amount of money and we would like to be able to reimburse her. And we also use that money to do things like invest in merchandise and provide you guys with bonus content. So we really appreciate it if you would go on Patreon. And we also know that donating on Patreon isn't always possible. So if you can't donate on Patreon, cat. Tell them what they can do. 
they can go on Apple and review us Thanks. with words and in stars, but we prefer both. Yes. Preferably on the five-star range, just because anything under the five stars makes people assume that we suck, which we do on occasion, but we're not professionals here. We are amateurs, are we not? Yeah, we are, and I always look at it this way. You got to start somewhere, because some of the podcasts I listen to, they started out kind of crappy, too, so. Reach. But we like to think we've gotten significantly better. Um, But I think that is all we have for you guys today. We're so excited to be on Season 2 with you guys. Episode 2, Season 2, 2.2. What? Uh, What? Chicken butt. Well, uh, (laughs) I'm going to go off and watch some tiny gremlins i mean children and we will see you guys next fire whiskey friday we love you little fire whiskers keep being magical thank you for listening to another episode of fire whiskey and honey a special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.